0: The sermon text this morning is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked, when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and, if one of you has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, Thanks be to God. God. Thank you, sir.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you again. Um, So if we haven't met each other, uh, my name is David, and uh, I'm on staff here at City Church. And as a reminder, our lead pastor, uh, Scott, he's on sabbatical for a few months, and so some of us young bucks are getting some opportunities to bring the word to us here in the morning. So thanks for letting me have the opportunity to do that. Uh, we're uh, doing a sermon series right now that's seeing, savoring, and showing Jesus. And a lot of the uh, sermons that we've heard so far have been specific encounters with Jesus, things that he did, which has been wonderful. So what we're going to do now in this passage is look at the process of encountering Jesus, the process of moving through seeing, savoring, and showing. So that's what I'm going to lead us through now. So uh, this passage, I'm kind of Paul really breaks it up into three sections, and I'm going to do that now as we unpack this passage. There's kind of our introduction where he tees us up for the putting off and putting on, and then the putting off and the putting on. And so we're going to look at it like that. Um, so we'll dive in now with the kind of how he teases us up going into the putting off. And what does he say? He says, um, uh, seek the things that are above where Christ is. And then he says, set your minds... On things that are above, not on things that are of earth. Okay, so as we look at um, as we look at the the notion of seeing, savoring, showing Jesus, there, there's there's some assumptions you're making there um, that you see, and then you savor. And so what Paul is what Paul is going into this with the assumption of is that you uh, that God requires that we participate in uh, the sanctification and renewal process that's at work within us. So, um, here where he says to set your minds, we, we have to we, there's action that has to happen to us. There are things that are happening in us by the Holy Spirit working uh, but that Jesus is, uh, is is calling us, and here Paul is telling us to, that we have to act. And so um, so we have to choose to savor. Her. And here, here he's, he's directing us to do it by setting our minds on things of heaven. So I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what does that mean, set your mind. Um, and as often as the case with the Bible, like there's things translated in English that aren't like perfectly translated from the Greek or the Hebrew. And so I looked it up. Here's what mind means, okay? It is the tendency or the inclination of the mind. So not just what you think, but your tendency and your inclination of your mind. It is the, uh, and this word involves the will, the affections, and the conscience. So what, what he's kind of saying here is your your mind in this context is like your story, your narrative, your context It is the lens in which you through which you see the world. Um, I'm reading a book right now uh, on on stoicism. The book's called The Practicing Stoic, and and in the book uh, there's this quote. Let me read it to you. See, so before I read the Stoics, they were after they were trying to help people with dealing with existential questions human suffering and and um, getting through life in a in a peaceable way here's what here's what the author says about this he says we appear to go through life reacting directly to the events and all else in the world that appearance is an illusion we react to our judgments and opinions to our thoughts about things not the things themselves we usually aren't aware of this events come to us through Lenses of judgment that are so familiar we forget we have them on. Stoics seek to to become conscious of those judgments and to find the irrationality in them and to choose them more carefully. So what Paul is saying here is when you're setting your mind on things of heaven, you are choosing the lens of the kingdom, choosing the lens of of the truth of the Bible. And and that, that what that in you know, other words the, the word that we use here a lot in city church is your story. We talk about doing story work. We we, we get together with our groups and we, we go through what is your story. And we, we say your you know, your your uh, Mike what is it? Your past informs your present. Your future. Okay, the, the, I forget some of the, the terminology, but we all have a story, right? And our past you know it, it does affect the context through which our we perceive the present. And so having an encounter with Jesus can change. The future trajectory of our story by changing the way we perceive our present. So, just imagine with me for a second um, you're a student and you're doing really well as a student, and you decide that you um, are going to apply for a master's program uh, at an Ivy League school. And uh, so, you you apply, you send in your application, and the response comes back. You have the envelope, and you open the envelope. And you're rejected. You didn't get in. So how you react to that rejection is, is uh, sort of affected by the lens in which you perceive the world around you. The story that you're living in. So did you believe that you deserved to get in? Because then you're going to be angry. Did you believe it was possible that you could get in and, and then you'd be uh, disappointed? Did you believe that you needed to get in? That, that, that if I'm going to do something impactful in the world, if i want to be someone important, if my life is going to matter, I need to get in. Here Paul said, setting your mind on things of heaven. Put, put, put your mind in, in the context of the kingdom of God. Jesus can change your story, but he requires that we participate. Uh, there's the story of the rich young ruler at, where um, he comes to Jesus and, and he's, he's, he's pursuing Jesus. He's pursuing um, holiness and, and he wants to, It seems like he wants to follow Jesus and he comes up to him and says, how can I be more holy? How can I uh, follow you? And Jesus says, sell everything you have and follow me. Now, why did Jesus tell him to do that? Not because our material possessions uh, are, are, there's something sinful or wrong about our material possessions. There's not something inherently wrong with being wealthy. But Jesus knew that this man's lens through which he saw the world, the story, his story involved who he was, as a person, was tied to those things. His story was that the, the, the context, the narrative that he was believing was that I needed these things in order to be secure, in order to be, uh, uh, in order to be safe, in order to be important. So Jesus knew in order for this man to experience me, to have an encounter with me, to savor me, he has to get rid of his things. He's got he's to put his mind on things of in heaven instead of things of earth. And this man, he saw Jesus... When he, when he saw what Jesus was asking him to do, he walked away. He chose not to savor him. To, 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 to see Jesus and savor and show him. God requires that we participate. We have to act too. Um, so we want, now let's, let's look at the putting off. Um, putting off means turning away here, here Paul's talking about turning away, getting rid of these sins in your life. We, we, we refer to that as repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is different than saying I'm sorry. Repentance is turning away from your sin. I re- recently read a book uh, by Dr. James Smith called You Are What You Love. And it's, he basically, he's, it's basically based on Augustine's confessions. But the whole point of the book is this. You can look at your actions, the actions in your life, and follow the string from them to your heart, and it will tell you what you believe. You can say what you believe all you want, but what do your actions tell us about what you believe? And so when when we're doing, when we have repentance, we know that there's a sinful act. There's there's something that we're we're believing, that we're turning away from, and we're switching our minds from something of heaven to, uh, to something of earth to something of heaven. The lens through which we see the world changes. Um... Jesus can rewrite your story. He can change the narrative of your life. Uh, we, I, I was thinking this week about, as I was preparing the, uh, you know, the story where Jesus walks on the water. If you, if you know the story, you know Jesus isn't the only one who walks on the water. So does Peter. So Jesus, he's, Jesus is walking on water. Peter's out in the boat, and he calls Peter out of the boat. And Peter gets out, and he, and he starts to walk on the water, and he's looking at Jesus And then it says that he looks and he sees the wind. So a lot of us, we're uh, we're already Christians. We're already following Jesus. But even in our faith, for our faith journey, sometimes we take our eyes off of him, don't we? See, in this moment, Jesus was transcending the laws of physics. He was walking on water. And Peter believed that was possible. But for a moment, he took his eyes off and looked at the wind. And as a fisherman, he was reminded that normally when the, when the wind comes, waves happen, turbulence happens, it gets scary and dangerous, and he starts, Peter starts to sink into the water. And what happens next, the order of what happens next is very important. Jesus doesn't rush over and just yank him up out of the water. It says that Peter was afraid, and he began to sink, and he, said, and he, and he turns his face back to Jesus, and he reaches up his hand and says, Lord, save me. Jesus, uh, Peter chose to make a decision to cry out to Jesus. God requires, if we're going to experience renewal, to have our narrative change, to set our minds on things of heaven. God requires that we participate in that. We have to act as well. And Peter turned to Jesus. He cried out, "If you want your story changed, if you want the narrative of your life to be changed, if you want the lens of your life, of what you what you perceive the world around you to be more set on the things of heaven than on things of earth." All you have to do is start with crying out. and says that he cried out and Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. Um, we've, uh, our pastors have always been really transparent, shared their stories from up here. I'll share with you a little bit about my story. Um, and a lot of you I've been in groups with where we've done this story stuff and we've shared our stories with each other. And so you've heard this, but if you haven't. Uh, here we go. So, I grew up in a, uh, I grew up in a great house, great home. Um, my parents had an awesome marriage. Uh, it was not uncommon for me to catch them kissing in the kitchen. Um, my dad was a pastor. My mom was a school teacher, and she was very good at it. She was often school, uh, a teacher of the year. And we had mommy-son dates, and it was a great childhood. And, um... But when I was about 13, my mom started having headaches. And um, my parents, we all go to the doctor, and the doctor says, you have brain cancer, you've got three months. And she fought it for about two and a half years. And uh, when I was, so about right, right around my 16th birthday, she died of brain cancer. And I was really, 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 really angry with God. And... You know, I, I received Christ as a as a younger kid, and I, I believe that conversion was genuine. But in that moment, I was really angry with God. And I wanted Him to suffer like I had suffered. And I was going to make Him do it by how I was going to act. I was angry, and I felt like the, I deserved to be angry. And so for about a year and a half, I raised hell. Partied, like whatever, however you want to fill that in, like, uh, raised hell. And... um there came a moment where I had a lucid moment. There's lucid moments all throughout the Bible. The prodigal son, you know that story where he's, he's eating the pig feed and he has a lucid moment. What am I doing? Samson, he, uh, he's living in, in sexual sin and he has a lucid moment right before he knocks down the pillars. I had a lucid moment. I had an encounter with Jesus in my sin, in my rebellion. And um, I remember I sat down with my dad. And I was like, I, I sat down with my dad. He was cool as a cucumber. And I was like, Dad, and it, I told him, I was like, Dad, I've, you know, one of the things I told him, was like, Have, I've been smoking weed, and um, I'm sorry. And he just says, I forgive you. And he says, Have you asked God to forgive you? And I told him I had. And uh, it was, you know, that was a moment for me where I just reached up and I cried out and um, that that 's all God requires of us that 's all God requires of you if you're if your' uh, the story your story right now is one of tragedy, Jesus wants to enter into that with you if your story right now is one of uh, a sin and running, Jesus wants to enter into that with you and he doesn't he doesn't ask that you get it all fixed before you come talk to him he doesn't ask that you that you like you know get get rid of uh you know, your, your sinful ways or whatever before you come to him. He just says, come to me, cry out. Now, for me, I, I cried out. And, um, you know, Scripture tells us if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Now, that's obviously hyperbole. Um, but, you know, for me, so my this is kind of crazy. My um, senior year of high school, I, I was in that position where I knew I wanted to change my life. Um, well, I knew I wanted my life to be changed, and I felt Jesus working in me. And I, but I knew I couldn't do it and st- stay with the friends that I'd been around. And so, my, uh, I had a friend that like was homeschooled online. And I told my dad about it, and he agreed to let me do it. My last year of high school, I finished online. Um, the Holy Spirit fills us as if we're if we're a follower of Jesus, we have His Spirit in us. And and if you remember, the fruit of the Spirit, the last one is self control. So. If you have an encounter with Jesus and you want to savor Him, and He's He's moving you to do something drastic to change your story, to renew your story and narrative, He will give you the self control to to change it, to do something. And it it doesn't have to. You know, when I was thinking about self control, it's like if you're if you're on a diet, you don't you don't want to go to Krispy Kreme for your morning coffee, right? So, you know, for me, I had to do something drastic. So it may be that for that for action for you in um, a given moment, or, or in a given sin, or, or some kind of lie that you're believing, to, to change that, to put your mind off of things of earth, onto things of heaven, means something that feels kind of drastic. When you have an encounter with Jesus, though, he can change your story. One of my favorite songs right now is one called Promises by Maverick City listening to it this morning. Next time you have a, some alone time with Jesus, just pop in some headphones and listen to that song with your eyes shut. Um, the 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 like the, uh, bridge, the woman singing, um, I'll still bless you in the middle of the storm, in the middle of my trial, when I'm in the middle of the road and I don't know which way to go. And I listen to that song and I'm like, how is that possible? How is that possible? It's by having your mind on things of heaven. Your story doesn't have to end a tragedy. It can be a Cinderella story. And the way for it to be a Cinderella story is for Jesus to reframe your story into one of the kingdom, the reality of heaven. If this world is all, all there is and your life is tragic, it's Macbeth. But if, if, if you have Jesus in your life, it doesn't matter what happens here because we have eternity with him. So Let's move to uh, the putting on. So when, with the putting off, he gives us this list, I and mean, he's speaking to the Colossians and stuff that they're dealing with in that, in that day and age. But um, I wish we had time to jump into the specifics of some of those, but um, we're kind of looking at the, the methodology here. So the putting on, what's different about this list is before he jumps in the list of the things, he starts with put on then, comma, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Holy and beloved. So before the list, he reminds, before we get into like the things that, we, that he wants you to put on, he, he, we're starting with, remember who you are. You've got to savor Jesus before you can show him. You're, you've been made right before God because of Jesus. You, you, you have been chosen by him specifically. And you're beloved by him. So we, get, we can savor that before we move into the things that he's calling us to. And, and we're going to look at this list a little bit more specifically. Before I do, I want to talk a little bit about practices. So back in the put off portion in verse 9, he says, put off your old self with its practices. Now, we all have practices that we, that we do, that we carry out to reinforce um, our story, to reinforce our mindset, to reinforce the lens, as the Stoics would say, that, through which we see the world. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe there are things like uh, the news that you read. The shows you watch, the kind of conversations you have—maybe they're someone more gossipy—but um, there's, there's practices that we do that can reinforce having th- your mind on things of earth. And so, Paul here gives us a prescription for practices of things that, um, things of, of heaven. So he says, here, here, here's the list that he gives us for these practices. He says, "You're called in one but bo- in one body, and be thankful." let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Okay, so the word of Christ, logos. This is um, this this is emphasized in different ways throughout the scripture, but here he's talking about truth, biblical truth, the scripture. teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, and then he gets into singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Okay, so we have teaching, the Bible, songs. The Bible is, this is this is sort of the cognitive, the, the learning. Song. What is music for? The Whole purpose of music is to invoke emotion. Um, and so Jesus talks about going to your prayer closet and shut the door. Go into your room and shut the door. So the practices of the practices of the Christian life and having your your your, your life renewed, your story rewritten, moving your mind from things of earth to things of heaven, are teaching. So reading, being in the Word. And, and engaging in spiritual songs. Jesus talks about doing it alone. Here Paul is talking about very, very clearly and in other places as well, in uh, w- one body and with one another. Going to church. Being at church on Sunday morning. It doesn't have to be this church. It doesn't have to be, you know, it can be a 10-person house church or a 2,000-person megachurch. But getting together with other Christians and practicing these things, teaching, singing songs, admonishing one another, you know, Michael Jordan was uh, once asked, "How did you become the best basketball player of all time?" And you know what he said? I mastered the fundamentals. These are the fundamental practices of the Christian faith. These are the fundamental practices of putting your mind off of things of earth and putting them on the things of heaven. Um, I, something else I'll say is, we're talking about your story. We do something here we call story work. You know, writing out your story, and then we—this is you know, something we do here within our church and groups. And um, here, you know, he talks about admonishing one another. This is something we're all to be doing to each other. Um, the, term he, the term admonishing um, is, uh, is defined by authoritative counsel and warning. So um, we, have, we have a couple of our pastors. Actually, all three of our pastors have uh, degrees in counseling. A few of them are especially trained in what we call story work. So let me just encourage you. Um, If you would like to work through your story a little bit, if you would, if there is tragedy in your life that you're still processing, maybe you're living in tragedy right now, reach out to other Christians, but I would especially encourage you to reach out to Mike and Kirsten when she's back. Let them admonish you to counsel you, to help you work through your story, to reframe your story, to help to guide you through uh, encountering Jesus and inviting him into your story. So now let's look at the list. Verse 12, he says, "So he, he, he says, you're, "You're chosen, holy, beloved, put on then." And what are the things? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. You know what another, uh, another translation for the term "humility" here is "lowly of heart." I have to think that when Paul wrote this, he was thinking of Matthew 11 where Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Let me ask you a question. Do you need need someone to be gentle with you? Is there a place in your life where you need some gentleness? There's an economic reality uh, that applies both to our physical world as well as our spiritual world, which is you can't give what you don't have. And here Jesus is inviting you in for an encounter with him. Come savor me. Matthew 11 says, come, he says, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. You know, the, the yoke, maybe you've heard before, it's the, the yoke is the thing that the, the cattle wear when they're pulling the plow through the field. We all wear a yoke. <clears throat> it, some of us, our yoke is found in, um, our achievements at work or in school or in sports or as a parent. Jesus says, There's only one yoke you've been made for, and it's the yoke that I want to put on you and compared to any other yoke it's going to feel light. And so come to me. I want to rewrite your story. I want to reframe your life, your narrative. So if this morning, if you're your work thinking through um, thinking through your life, through your story, through the trajectory of your life, how you view the world around you, here Jesus is saying, "Come to me I want you to want I want to help you put your mind on things of heaven, but you've got to participate, just like Peter you've got to cry out cry coming to Jesus just starts with a simple cry out. so as we look uh, as we move down toward communion. Um, hear him calling to you come to me if you've never come to Jesus before he just says come to me I want you to come savor who I am you don't have to change anything about your life first if you've been a Christian for 35 years and uh, and you're still on the journey come to me whatever sins that are in your life whatever lies you're believing whatever hurt you're feeling whatever tragic things may have happened in your past come to me I'm going to reframe your story I'm going to change the narrative of your life let's pray Lord Jesus, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for uh, what you did on the cross for us, Lord. And how you've, uh, how you've offered us uh, free, eternal life. How you've uh, changed the story of our life for what you did on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for inviting us in. Lord, we pray for everyone in this room that you would give us uh, a lucid moment. In our fears and our the lies that we believe that we're alone that we're um, that it's all up to us. Lord, would you give us a lucid moment? Fill us with your Spirit. Help us cry out, Lord, and and work mightily in all of our lives. We thank you in advance for what you're doing in each one of us, and we pray all this in your name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, David. Now we continue in worship through confession. We take some time to respond to God's word, and and then.